Welcome to the Rutledge Perspective. I'm your host, Laurel Rutledge, and this show is where we talk about things that are top of mind as you navigate your career or build your business. The plan is to get you out of your rut or talk you back off that ledge with insights and perspectives on the daily grind. Here, we speak the truth. Here, we challenge ideas. Here, we give ourselves grace. And along the way, we also have a little fun. Welcome to the village. On this week's episode of The Rutledge Perspective, we're talking about CrossFit leadership, um, CrossFit in quotes. And before I get into it, I want to make a disclaimer. I am not passing judgment on CrossFit, the sport of CrossFit, or CrossFit boxes, or CrossFit coaches. This came about because of an article that I read that this is this new trend called CrossFit leadership. And it was timely in terms of leadership conversations, because last week, if in that episode, we talked about David Goggins and the Can't Hurt Me book and the whole idea of resetting your mind and, and pushing through and how that manifests in, in our leadership and in our personal perspectives around our career. And so this week is kind of a next step after I read that article about how we are showing up as leaders. And it was a great jumping off point to have a deeper discussion around leadership and leadership styles. So this is simply using CrossFit as a platform for talking about this new leadership perspective and how it may or may not be something that you want to pursue. So with that, we'll jump right in. I read this article and it was about, I believe it was a Swedish company that the CEO had started calling his leadership style CrossFit leadership. And apparently this is not new. It was new to me, but it was not new. And his CrossFit leadership went so far as to have things like mandatory workouts from 12 to one every day and uh, they were doing uh, rope, hand over hand rope things and rope courses and wading in water up to their chests and all of this kind of madness, right? And when people talk to them about this and why he was doing this, he's like, man, it's about productivity. If you think about CrossFit and that push to do better and to increase your personal record or PR as they call it, right? How did you PR something today? Get a personal record. And box jumps and deadlifts and squats. And and when you think about working out any kind of exercise, really, whether it's heavy weightlifting or whether you're doing uh, some kind of training that's more cardio, the more time you spend in the gym or on the apparatus or doing the thing, the better you get at it. The more muscles you build, the more strength you build, the more endurance you build. All of that is true, physiologically true. And so his idea was, you know, there's so much that comes out of CrossFit, so much we've learned out of CrossFit about just pushing harder and digging deeper and going that extra mile and doing the extra thing and how the rewards are so great. You get stronger, you get better, you get faster. All of these these kind of issues when you really just put in the work. And that sounds really, really good. And for less tenured leaders or uh, you know new generation leaders, it may seem really new. For me, it harkens back to kind of leadership of the 80s, right? That really hardcore clock watching. If you're not here before I am and leave after I am, you must not be working hard kind of thing. It, it, that's what it harkened back to for me as I read this article. And so they started pushing the CEO about productivity and efficiency and effectiveness. And he said, no, 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 you know, morale is great. We have gotten more productive. We're getting closer to our goals. We clearly have a long way to go to get to our ultimate goals, but we have really seen a change in our goals. They said, well, that's great. What about turnover? 
I said, well, you know, our turnover was about 8% and now it's about 27%. And that's a good thing. And his response was, or the person who was, who was talking to them, the response was, well, but we don't necessarily see that as bad because when they leave, then we can replace them with people that we want. Now that's got all kinds of potential wrong written all over it, but we can talk about that a little bit later. But this whole idea that, well, when we push people, they're, they're fast, they're, they're happier. When we push people, they are, they get better. You know, we meet our goals because they also talked about in the article, how there was this belief system that leadership now that really focused on authenticity and communication and vulnerability and all of these kind of things meant that people were not clear about expectations and those dots just don't connect. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Those, those dots don't connect, but that's the premise is that, well, if you're more in people's faces and you're stronger and you're harder and you're making people do things and you're mandating things and you're rewarding people for effort, then you get more productivity. Seems like we've been down this road before. So on the one hand, again, our minds have a way of, of having a governor, as David Goggins talks about it, a way of telling us, oh, too much, oh, stop, oh, pain, right? And there is a way to kind of push people and to, to encourage people and to get more out of people. The challenge that I see with this kind of CrossFit idea, the CrossFit coaching, and I'll, I'll replace CrossFit with whether it's football coach, soccer coach, lacrosse coach, any of those coaches that are softball coach that are standing in the dugout yelling and screaming, more, 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 you didn't do that, I can't believe that, okay? Um, the problem with that is it gets back to that whole trend of trying to lead uniformly, right? Treating everybody exactly the same. Right. This is just what we're going to do. We're just going to push, push, push. And those are the people we need, which kind of gets to this. Well, it's 27 percent turnover, but then we can get people in here who just get this. Right. And, and that's a decision and that's a choice. OK, so if that's the culture you want to create, then we're free to make those choices. We're just not free from the consequences of the choices we make. So this idea of of pushing and yelling and screaming and prodding and it, that it creates more efficiency and more effectiveness I guess at some level it does, but at some point people get tired of that. It's just like children. If you think about when you yell at your kids over and over and over again, for those of you who have kids, the more you yell, the less they listen. Because after a while, it's just noise. It's the same with employees. The more you yell, the more you scream, the more you act a nut, the less they listen. Because it's like, oh, that's just them again, right? People get desensitized to the noise and to the yelling and all they hear is noise. They don't hear message. So trying to just kind of goad people and prod people into efficiency and effectiveness is a very interesting process, but it is not a sustainable process. And not everyone is encouraged or can be successful by that kind of coaching or that kind of leadership. And with new leaders, often that managing uniformly comes from a fear of disparate treatment, right? Oh my gosh, if I say the same thing to everybody, then I don't have to worry about getting getting told that I'm treating people differently. If I say the exact same thing, if I treat people the exact same way, but consistency is not about the same. Cons your, your best defense is in consistency, not sameness. Because a lot of times the sameness in and of itself creates disparate treatment. Because not everybody is the same, which means treating them the same is not gonna be treating them the same. Because not everybody responds to, to the same kind of pressure the same way. And when you talk about 
Well, if you're if you're here longer, if you're here before, if you put more hours, you're automatically going to be more productive or more effective. Here's the thing that is missed in that whole idea. If you think about people that are really training hard for something, they're really pushing, even from an athletic perspective, they want to run that marathon or they want to get faster in the 400 or they want to be able to throw, you know, better or more accurate or pay better tennis. One of the things they do is rest. One of the things they do is take time off. One of the things they do is take time to do postmortems, to evaluate what went well, what went wrong, what do I need to change, what do I need to modify. There is time away from the pressure in order to rest and rejuvenate and regroup, right? You've got to build back up in order to continue. And I didn't see that kind of in this leadership style. What I saw was just push, 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 you know, keep going, keep going. You got this, keep going. We got to make it happen. And there are periods of time where that can work. That's why high performance teams work so well. There's a common enemy, right? A common threat, a common goal that they're moving towards. And when you have that, you've got that ability for people to be laser focused on getting it done. And you can get some of that rah, rah, we're going to make this happen. This is so cool. We are going to kill it. And you can get some of that for a period of time, but it is not necessarily sustainable right? And what you want is an ability to have sustained performance, to have a sustained effectiveness and efficiency, and to be sure you're remaining inclusive. Again, remember earlier I said, they were like, well, it's 8%, but now it's 27. We can get the people we want. One of the things that has been proven year after year after year after year is that ability to have diverse populations and include them effectively because the the hardest part of diversity and inclusion is the inclusion piece, not the diversity piece. That is what really builds bottom lines. That's what makes the difference. That is about innovation and creativity, right? Having those different ideas and different perspectives all coming together. So if all you have is only people who are only motivated by yelling and screaming and more, more, more and push, 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 what does that mean in terms of your innovation and your creativity? And what are you rewarding? Because if that's the case and what you've said is more time equals more productivity, more time means you get more efficient. And if you're working out, that is true. More time in the gym can get you there sometimes. But what's missing is the quality of that time, the quality of that time in the gym, the quality of that time at work. So yes, you may see somebody who's there before you get there and they're leaving after you leave. And that means that they're there 14 hours a day because you're there 12. But are you getting the most efficient and productive 14 hours out of them? There are some who are masterful, right? When the boss was around, they were there early. When the boss was down, they were really cranking. Middle of the day, they weren't doing nothing. And then that hour when they knew the boss was going to be rocking around, seeing who was still there, what was going on, they were cranking. So you didn't get 14 hours, you got four. Now, if they were really good, they were still really productive in those four hours, but don't be fooled. You weren't getting 14 hours of highly efficient work or highly productive work. And even if you got 14 hours on Monday, probably by Wednesday, you were getting about two because there's burnout and there's fatigue. So when we think about how we're leading people, we've got to think about leading the whole person. And that doesn't mean you get in everybody's business. That doesn't mean you have to to cross barriers and ask stuff you're not supposed to be asking, right? But it does mean that you are very well aware of what it means to work the way you're asking people to work. If what you're rewarding is time in the seat, but in the seat, 
People recognize that. So someone who is highly efficient and is actually able to get their work done in eight hours a day or six hours a day feels put upon because they are not rewarded for their efficiency and their productivity. But the person who takes a full eight hours and may not even get it done in there is seen as, man, they're really in it. They're here all the time. So what message are you sending? The unintended consequences of rewarding that behavior. We've got to understand what messages our actions send. People will hear what you say. They will believe what you do. And if what you are rewarding, right, is time, is butt in the seat, is who am I seeing when I'm walking around and not the ones who are meeting their goals, the ones who are most efficient, the ones who actually make things happen, they're accurate, they're on time, right? They're going the extra mile, not just rewarding people who happen to show up at work because guess what? You don't get a trophy for just showing up at work. That's why you get a paycheck. We're paying you to show up. You get rewarded for going above and beyond, right? So showing up and doing your job is part of the job description. That's part of what the, the trade-off is. A day's pay for a day's work. The reward, the recognition, the extra is for really digging in, maybe being innovative, maybe going the extra mile for something. Maybe you are staying late because it's a special project. Maybe you came up with something that nobody thought about, right? High performance gets rewarded. So before we swing this pendulum and all of a sudden everybody's going back to this kind of 1980s clock watching in your face, yelling and screaming, which also has some HR implications, by the way. Let's think about what we're trying to reward and what we're trying to do and what we want people to be and how we want them to represent our organization. Because everyone that works at your organization is a representative of your organization's culture. And what are they going to say to their friends who may be looking for a job? What are they going to say to potential customers? What are they going to say on Glassdoor? What are they going to say if somebody asks and calls them from, you know, the greatest places to work survey people? Are they going to toe the line around the survey? Or are they going to tell the truth if they're not feeling like it really is a place for them? And how do you know if you haven't paid attention as a leader? Because if you're yelling and screaming and push, 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 and not listening actively, you're not paying attention to the information you're getting back from your folks around your leadership style. If you're just push, 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 go, 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 and you're not seeing the productivity or the outcomes that you want, have you paused to ask why and to figure out why? Because everyone doesn't respond the same way to the same type of leadership style. And again, that doesn't mean you have to turn yourself into a pretzel to make sure everybody's happy because it's called work for a reason, right? You're not trying to make everybody happy, but you do want to make it a place where people are comfortable coming to work, where they're excited to be there. And even the people who are there because it's a paycheck at least feel like they can get that paycheck by doing the work that they've been asked to do. You're not responsible for people's deep, deep happiness. You are responsible for ensuring people are clear that they understand what is expected of them that they, they can connect the actions to the words, that you show up in a way that serves them as a leader of the organization trying to achieve certain goals. That's the responsibility. And if all you're doing is yelling and screaming or pushing, 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 are you taking the time to hear that? Are you taking time to connect and understand what people need and where they're trying to go? Are you taking time to really hear where there might be an innovative idea that you never thought about, but because you're so busy cheerleading, right? And pushing and coaching, you're not able to hear that. Or you create an environment where nobody feels comfortable saying that to you, to saying they found something different, to say, you know what? 
I was painting my house and I fell off a ladder. I cannot do this, this midday workout. Especially if what people see is everybody who doesn't do the midday mandatory workout ends up not being on the best projects or ends up getting fired, right? Or, or, or worse. The other thing from a strictly HR perspective that I just caution people around some of this, um, especially for those who were not great managers in the first place. And if you're then moving to this, this gives them an opportunity to really be not great managers is you also have to take into account, you don't want to create an environment that could be inadvertently discriminatory or non-inclusive. Not everyone is going to be able to or want to do a workout for an hour or two hours a day at work with people they work with. Not everybody's friends are that close to folks they work with. I, for one, never need to do another outbound thing again. We had to do that when I went to IU. They took us to Bradford Woods and we had to do this whole rope climbing, crossing over bridges. I hate that stuff. That's my personal opinion. I just hate it. I see the value for people who who really enjoy it. And there's, there's, I guess, science and behavioral science around how those kind of things and being in those kind of situations can help you get to know each other. I personally, the way I am wired and the way I think, I don't need to be out in the woods with the bugs and the heat, climbing ropes to get to know you better and be able to trust you in a team. That is not necessary for me. I trust you based on your actions, right? And how we interact. And whether or not you can climb a rope or jump a wall it is irrelevant to me. So when you're looking at some of these things, there are going to be people like me or people who truly have some physical limitations or religious limitations or what have you, or just don't want to do these kind of things. Some of them will choose to leave. Um, and, and they should, because you get to create the culture that you want. And so if they're no longer a fit, they will choose to leave. Some of them will stay, but you won't get the kind of productivity out of them that you were really wanting. Some of them will stay. And then you may end up getting some kind of claim because they feel like they're being mistreated and they see an opportunity to do something about that. Some out of truly wanting to change the culture for the better and some just out of spite. And that goes for just about every leadership style. You just got to pay attention because we're in such a litigious society right now. You just got to pay attention to what you're doing. And that's why consistency is really important. But let's think about what it really means to lead and what it really means to serve. And does it make sense to just swing this pendulum back to that push, 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 go, go, go. Does more hours really equal more productivity? Does more hours really equal more efficiency and more effectiveness? Does pushing through really give you a better outcome in this situation, in the business situation? There is absolutely so much to learn that we can learn from things like CrossFit, from training, from training our minds, from training our bodies. There's so much we can learn from pushing through that resistance and rebuilding those muscles. That is absolutely valuable information. It is also not necessarily the best way or the right way, depending on where you are and what your culture is, to necessarily run your organization. And that's okay. Which brings me to the last point. One of their arguments was, this whole idea of authentic leadership and vulnerability and compassion and communication leads to unclear expectations. That is not accurate. What leads to unclear expectations or confusion is a failure to communicate clearly, period, the end. It is incumbent upon any leader to be very clear about their expectations of themselves, their expectations of their people, and their expectations of the organization. It is incumbent upon the leader to have that clarity. And then it is incumbent upon each of us as individuals, if we are not clear, to seek clarity. 
So being confused about expectations has nothing to do with whether or not your leader is authentic or vulnerable or CrossFit or yeller or scrim- none of that. It has to do with the clarity of communication. Now, those attitudes and those aptitudes impact the ability to be clear in communication for sure, right? Because if we're so different and we speak such different languages in terms of how we interact, that ability to get clear is going to be very difficult. But it's not fundamentally, if you are compassionate, if you are authentic, you're not communicating clearly. That is just not a, a direct connect all the time. Because you can be any kind of leader and not be clear. Many of us are not clear all the time, even with our best intentions. So don't automatically assume that louder means clearer. Or a heavier hand means clearer. A heavier hand just means a heavier hand. Louder just means louder. And again, the louder you are, the less people listen because it just becomes noise. So as you go out and you're thinking about how you're leading your teams, how you're leading your people, how you want to build a team, if you're in the process of just building one, what kind of leader are you going to be? Are you going to be that CrossFit leader? Push, 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 push. Get her done, get her done. You can do that 45 foot box jump. No problem. I know you've only done 12 inches, but 45 feet tomorrow right? Is that the kind of leader you're going to be? Are you going to be the leader that's so compassionate that they have no ability to have a hard conversation? What kind of leader are you going to be? Who are the leaders that you learned the most from, both good and bad? How do you take the best and emulate that in a way that is authentic to you and is effective for you? And how do you put yourself in a position where you can receive and then implement feedback? so that you can continue to grow and learn because none of us is done ever until that last day. We always have opportunities to learn and grow. So go out, think about your leadership, be the best leader that you can be. Remember, leadership is not about you. It's about the people that you're leading. I'd love to know your perspective on this whole movement to CrossFit leadership. Please let me know. Send me a DM, send me a note, uh, make a comment. Uh, Would love to hear it. I think this would be a fantastic conversation. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in to The Rutler's Perspective, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. You have been listening to The Rutledge Perspective podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If we've given you a new perspective or helped you clarify your own, please leave us a review, send us your comments, give us a five-star rating. We take that information seriously, and it helps us to decide what our next episodes will be. Now you can find more information about this and other episodes of the show on laurelrutledge.com. And you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow me on social media. And if there's someone that you think would enjoy or benefit from the Rutledge Perspective podcast, please pass it along.